Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard from the Super Bowl, Radio Row. They call it Media Row now here in Phoenix, Arizona. Eagles, Chiefs, Super Bowl 57. And who better to help me preview the big game than a Super Bowl champion himself, the one and only Benny Fowler back on the show. Benny, thanks for coming back, man. Absolutely, Pat. Man, appreciate you having me. Sounds like you're having a good time out there. Uh, I know the weather's better than it is here in Denver, but uh, yeah, appreciate you having me. Yeah, the connection in Chicago was uh, was a little rocky, man. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to Super Bowls, obviously, no one better to talk to than you. And before I talk about this specific game, I wanted to ask you, growing up, when was the first moment as an athlete or as a football player that you envisioned yourself or that you dreamt of winning a Super Bowl? Was that always something on your mind when you were even younger playing? No, because I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to play in the NBA Finals, and I just wasn't tall enough, good enough <laughs> to, do, to actually do that. So, no, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that I thought about, you know, growing up. You know, you have those Little League uh, Super Bowls, but I never dreamt of actually playing in the actual Super Bowl in the NFL because I wanted to be a professional basketball player. So that's not – it's nothing that I ever thought about. The, the first memory that actually comes to mind, though, is – if I really think about the first Super Bowl that I actually watched and paid attention to, it'd probably be that undefeated year with the Patriots and them losing to the New York Giants. That's the first Super Bowl that I remember, like, watching with high school friends and, like, really paying attention to see if we were actually going to see a team go undefeated. So that was, like, my first, you know, memory in terms of, like, you know, being fully invested in watching the Super Bowl and seeing, you know, how it was going to play out and watching it from the, you know, finish to end. Well, that's a that's that's a good game to start that dream and that journey. That's for sure. I'm I'm, I'm ashamed to admit, Benny, because listen, you didn't get to the NBA, but you got way closer than I did. When I was a kid, I thought I was going pro too, man. I was in the backyard five hours a day. I was taking corner jumpers. I thought I was the king. So you didn't get there, but trust me, you got further than I did. All right, so yeah, start somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, all right, so. You got to a Super Bowl. You won a Super Bowl. And I want to get into that a little bit, but I know you're a big you're big on process. You're a guy in, in sports, in business, in life process. I wanted to know what was your process as a rookie in 2015 preparing for the big game? How did you do it? What were those two weeks like? Um, did you have a defined idea of how you wanted to handle it or – did you feel it out as you were as you were going? Well, yeah, it was my second year in the league, so I didn't know how I was going to approach it. You know, I was I saw how Demarius Emmanuel and Wes Welker approached it my rookie year, and saw how they approached it, and how we approached it as a team, and how Peyton approached it as as the quarterback of our team, and how John Fox was the head coach at the time, and Adam Gates was the offense coordinator. How they approached you know just the playoff games and atmosphere, and then as I got to start playing in my second year then that's, you know, that's when I really defined my process. I was on the roster, on the active roster. I was catching passes. I was, you know, in the rotation a lot. So that's where I defined my process. When we got to the Super Bowl, I stayed with the same process um, in terms of my regular season. Now, obviously, there's a lot of attention uh, on the Super Bowl, but we kind of just went status quo. Like, we practiced the same way. Kubiak had a really good sense and a feel for our team. Obviously, having Peyton, a guy who had been there, 
this was his fourth trip, fourth trip to the Super Bowl. So, you know, he knew how to prepare. He was giving everybody tips and ways to approach family, ways to approach tickets. So you just lean on people who had been there before and Peyton had been there before. And then I had the, the late, great Demarius Thomas to somebody to lean on who was my mentor. And then Emmanuel Sanders who had played in the Super Bowl before. So you lean on the guys who had been there before. Um, and Denver had lost two years before that in the Super Bowl. So, there was still a, a core group of that of those guys on that team to, to really help focus us in in terms of you know how to do there and how to approach the week when we got there and and keep everybody focused and ready to go. Shame on me for calling it your rookie year. We all need edit- editors, Benny. I, I hope you forgive me. Um, yeah, but um, so you so you tell me about leaning on the vets and getting yourself ready and staying with what got you ready in the regular season watching these veterans but then it's game day Mm. and you and the team were still able to perform at a high level you being a young player even though you kept it the same and you stayed grounded was it any more or different of a challenge to perform at a high level like you said with the moment with the fanfare with all the eyeballs of the of the world on you frankly I think it was actually harder in the AFC championship game because you know that the the trip and the chance to actually get to the Super Bowl is a lot more intense. And the national media is there at the AFC championship game. And you know it's all on the line to get to the actual Super Bowl. So I would say that was actually more of a challenge in terms of staying focused. You know, getting to the game day for for the Super Bowl, it was just like, hey, we're here. Let's let's let it loose. And it was good. Just it was really great to see my family before the game and really relax my nerves and but you get a chance to share this moment with so many people and it's it's kind of crazy it's bringing back memories now in terms of how incredible the moment really is that you're playing on the biggest stage in the world i mean the most the most watched event every single year is the super bowl because it's it's one game and it's uh it's one of the most incredible atmospheres and it's going to be incredible to see it on sunday did you have uh, like a night before the game dinner with family or what, what were those couple nights leading up to the game like? No, I, I, I'm super big on like, you know, treat it as a normal game week. So if I don't see my family on a normal game week, I wasn't going to see him before the Super Bowl. Like, you know, I talked to him, you know, as they were coming in and things like that. But no, I wasn't doing any special dinners. And also I was so naive to what was actually going on in my second year. I was like, oh, we're going to be back here again because I didn't know Peyton was actually going to retire at the time. And I was thinking like, you know, I'm at least going to get a couple more cracks at this. So I wasn't thinking about it in terms of that. I was just, you know, treating it as a normal game because and sometimes you just need that. Sometimes you're young and, you know, you see Brock Purdy play this year, and he—I I don't even know if he realized, like, you know, what was actually at stake <laughs> in some <laughs> of the games that he was playing in. But I think that's kind of how I was looking at it. It's like, you know, I'm just gonna go out here and play and have some fun. It's a good point. It's like if I were Brock Purdy, it's it, probably more difficult if you stop and think about the chance you really have and the stakes of whether you accomplish it or not. You're right. It'd probably be more difficult for him to just let it go if he stopped and thought about it. Um, that's, that's a fascinating point. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you caught Peyton Manning's final NFL pass, mm-hmm. his final scoring pass, two-point conversion in the Super Bowl, helps you guys seal the victory in Super Bowl 50 over the Carolina Panthers. And I heard you do an interview, might have been a couple years ago, might have been earlier this year, where you described how at the start of the, the play or in the huddle, 
you said that Peyton said to you, as soon as I get the laces, I'm throwing this thing to you. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did you, but you're only a second year receiver and not, I mean, but I'm just saying like there are other veterans on the team. How did you earn his trust that early in your career that in that moment in the Super Bowl, he's looking at you and saying, Benny, as soon as I get this, I'm letting it rip to you. Well, I would say it was, you know, it was a process over time. Peyton is very meticulous in the way that he goes about, you know, it goes about his work. So I was able to pick up his offense pretty quickly um, and be and be able to and be able to be in the right spot at the right times. And I'll never forget, you know, you, you're talking about that Super Bowl story. But if I take you actually back to Sunday night football, maybe it was our third or fourth game of the season. We're playing in Detroit back in my hometown. And my receiver coach said he was going to give me a shot, actually, to play on offense. I hadn't played on any any offense at that time. And they were going to give me a shot to play on offense. And I was second or third drive I got in and, you know, caught my first pass. But Peyton actually called the wrong play. We usually run a screen to Demarius called Alley to X. And, you know, I'm usually the blocker from the slot. It's a little tunnel screen that Demarius has scored on plenty of times. But he called Alley to F, which I was the F. And I caught that pass and went for a first down, and it was history after that. Caught four, four, had four catches that night for 50 yards in my hometown, and that's where the trust started. And then, you know, I, I became his go-to guy on on certain plays, and I think I had like 15 catches that year, and all from him. And you know, it was just you you built a trust right there. And I think you know, it comes to the Super Bowl moment, and. One of the things and one of the routes that I really perfected throughout my career was the slant. I, I ran great slants. I, I can beat anybody on a slant. You know, I don't know if I could beat anybody now on a slant, but that's one of the things and one of the routes that I was really good at. And in the AFC Championship game, the, the Patriots always put their second or third corner on the third receiver. And we actually had a play drew up, uh, you know, on the left-hand side where I was going to run an isolation slant because – the coaches trusted me and Peyton trusted me in that. So we go back to, you know, forward to Super Bowl 50. We never called that play. We, we forward to Super Bowl 50 and we have Scat Vertigo. Vertigo was, a, uh, Vertigo was the side that I was on. Scat was on the other side where Emmanuel and Damaris were, were running their routes. And okay. Peyton, Peyton in the huddle, just he knew we were going to get man-to-man coverage. A lot of the coverage was going to be rotated towards the guys who get paid the most, which was Emmanuel and Damaris who were on one side. And, you know, that's what I ran. I just, I beat, I beat the defender in the slot and, and history was made. That's a great story. Uh, so what does any moment stand out to you from the Super Bowl party afterwards celebrations or are there any, like, is there a specific memory you have of kind of the post game celebration that, like anytime somebody says Super Bowl 50 to you, your mind immediately goes to. My mind immediately goes to the night before where Peyton and DeMarcus Ware had gotten up and talked to the team. And, you know, Peyton was getting really choked up because he knew it was going to be his last game. And, you know, it wasn't a dry eye in there. And I think that's where I knew we were going to win. You know, you just have those moments where, like, we have to do this for him. Like, this is the, like, this is the last game he's going to play. So... And then DeMarcus Ware had brought out one of the Super Bowl trophies or two of the Super Bowl trophies, and he had never won a playoff game until that year. You know, he came to Denver, and we lost in the first round his first year there, which was my first year. And the second year, we're all the way in the Super Bowl. And he, he was talking about, you know, seizing the moment and seizing the opportunity. 
And you think about Demarcus Ware, who had you know been an All Pro, had achieved everything from a personal standpoint, who was trying to win a Super Bowl, and obviously you see how our defense performed. So those moments stick out. And then my parents being on the field after the game, like you just can't get, you can't relive those moments. Like mom and dad, who took me to every practice, are on the field with me. We had watched this, you know. So it was really just, it was incredible opportunity and time for my family. Man, can't imagine that. Good for you. So um, now we fast forward to this year, to the now, Super Bowl 57, to the guys who are playing for it all now. We have a team that's won it before, and we have an Eagles team that won several years ago with some of the same faces, but a lot of new ones as well. And I think I wanted to start off by asking a specific question that you and I have talked before we both revere Patrick Mahomes and his abilities. You think he's the MVP. Um, you know, I, I believe as we tape this, he's about to win it again. So you were right. I was wrong. But <laughs> um, <laughs> my question for you is this. You watch what the Eagles pass rush did to Brock Purdy and the, and the 49ers. Pass rush was so devastating. They're knocking quarterbacks out of the game in the NFC Championship game. I know Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. But – if he's even a little bit hobbled, do you think that Mahomes is good enough on a bad ankle to overcome the Eagles' pass rush in this game? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, he's, <clears throat> he's more than good enough. He's, first of all, he's had two weeks to – and if he's done the same preparation he did during that week, then he will be even better and he will be even healthier. But then you have to add the combination of Andy Reid, who – has two weeks to study a defense. I don't know what Andy Reid's record is off of a bye week. I think uh, it's a crazy record off of a bye week. And, yes, they've had a bye week here. And he yeah, might not he have lost. ever lost after a bye. He he might have still besides, never lost after a bye. Besides the Tampa Bay loss in the Super Bowl, I don't All think right. he loses after buys. But, you know, Mahomes was hurt. You know, they didn't have a, the, a, the greatest offensive line then. So um, I, I definitely think Mahomes will be good enough. And I think he'll be incredible. And I think we'll see some fun things. And I also, you know, I think that he'll take what the defense gives him. Now, this will have to be – this is one of those games where you have to learn, like, from a Tom Brady. Tom Brady, if, it, if, the, if the game plan calls for him to throw to the running back 60 times, Tom will do it 60 <laughs> times if that's what it takes to win. So, Mahomes, if, if, he's, if he's paying attention, just take what the defense gives you um, because that pass rush will be there. But they will try to negate that with screens and different things. So, Andy Reid, I know Andy Reid will have a, a, a really good feel for that. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the running backs, Pacheco and uh, McKinnon, are going to be a big part of this game plan. If it's the run or if it's a screen game, I think they're going to make the Eagles stop that, try to back the pass rush off a little bit. I do have questions, though, about, I, you know, I do think the Eagles could get to him. And, you know, if he's not able to escape like he usually does, kind of uh, batter him, beat him up and make him pay. But if anybody can overcome it, you like you said it, it's Mahomes and you kind of led me into my next question. You already mentioned, you know, Andy and the advantage. I was wondering, so Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, and Shane Steichen have done a very good job with the Eagles this year of, they have a great roster, right? But they've really played to their roster strengths, especially on offense with Hurts and kind of molding it around his talents and what he does well. How big of an advantage do you think Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo of, is as a coaching staff compared to what the Eagles have now? Or do you think it's closer to an even playing field 
based on what you've watched this season, what the Eagles have accomplished? I would say, you know, there's no substitute for experience. So when it comes to the Super Bowl, like, you know, I would lean on the, the Chiefs coaching staff a little bit more, but Sirianni and those guys and what they've been able to accomplish, I do like the fact that they are operating from a place of strength. And I think that's one of the most important things that you can do as a coach. Um, and, and he has them playing with a type of swagger. They believe in themselves. They have a lot of confidence. And um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see how they come out and, and how they adjust. I think this game will be a, a game of adjustments. It'll be two games played in one. You know, the first half, you get all the jitters out. And then who's going to make adjustments at halftime is going to be super important, especially if, you know, if, the, if, if Philly is losing the game, how are they going to respond? You know, they've, they've played with a, a, the lead a lot throughout this entire season. So there will be some adversity. The question is, how do they how do they handle that? I, we know the Chiefs and how they handle adversity. I mean, they've been in some of the most insane games in NFL history. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> if you were wh- – where do you think each team is most vulnerable? So, in other words, if you were coaching the Chiefs, how do you think you would beat the Eagles? And if you were the Eagles, how do you think you beat the Chiefs? If I'm the Eagles, the way you, you beat the Chiefs is you control that clock. You keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. You run that ball. They are super good up front on both sides. So you control the clock. Um, you saw, I think Micah Parsons tweeted what the, what Lane Johnson was doing to the defensive uh, line at uh, in San Francisco. So you control the clock. You use, you use the quarterback runs to your advantage, and you have to play with 11. If I'm the Chiefs, um, I'm going to make Jalen Hurts beat me through the air. Um, we know he has to, we know they have to run the ball, but you're going to have to make some throws. You're going to have to make some incredible throws. We're going to be play, playing press man-to-man coverage, and we're going to blitz and see how you can pick these things up. So that's how I would, you know, if I'm the Chiefs. And then wow. a lot of misdirection when it comes to the Chiefs offense and how you're playing this Philly defense. If they love to rush the passer – and they want, they want to get after the quarterback screens, quick passes, um, sure a lot of misdirection, a lot of motion. So it sounds like you're anticipating, like if, if the Chiefs were to attack defensively the way you're suggesting they should, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown should theoretically have some chances one-on-one on the outside to make some big plays if they can hit them. You think that's fair to say? Absolutely. I think, and that's not just for Jalen Hurts. I think that's for most quarterbacks in the league. You know, you play press man and man coverage. And if you make some of these throws downfield, like, so be it. But there are not that many good quarterbacks. I mean, there are not that many quarterbacks that can just make under pressure throws the entire game. That's just a hard thing to do. Um, So you put pressure on these people. I mean, it's no different. You see a guy like Tom Brady, who is one of the greatest players ever, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He struggled with pressure. It's not, it's not a secret. Like if you get him off the spot, he, that he, he can't, it's hard for him to yeah. move. So yeah. it's no different. Especially with up inside, inside on the guard, you know, if you get the guards in the center pushback, right? Yeah. He'll struggle to throw the ball. And we've seen that in, in Super Bowls that they've lost and even Super Bowls that they, you know, that they have won where Tom Brady has struggled, you know, he struggled with a collapsing pocket. So Jalen Hurts, they are going to have to collapse that pocket and, 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 maintain and uh, not let him uh, rush outside, but 
let's see how he handles the blitz. I like it. I like it. All right. So you were, you know, against the grain that like when Kadarius Tony, Tony got shipped out of New York, I, and a lot of other people, you know, good riddance say maybe he helps the chiefs, but he can't stay healthy, whatever. And you said, Pat, watch, he, you know, maybe he's going to get banged up when he's in Kansas city, but he's going to help them. He's got talents that no one else has. And he's going to find a way to use them. Sure enough, he's in the end zone a few times for Kansas city in the regular season. (laughs) And I'm I'm bringing this up now because the chiefs are banged up at receiver and Tony, it sounds like is getting healthier for this game. So, I just want to know, do you think, would you go as far as saying not only are they here, do you think Tony has it in him to be like the star Chiefs receiver in a win in this game? Or do you still see him as a a complimentary piece maybe to like what Kelsey's doing? Because like I said, there weren't many people saying that the Chiefs are going to be here and Kadarius Tony was going to be a big part of it. You were certainly one of the only ones. Yeah, well, I mean, I just I know how Andy Reid is. I know how they can work with players who have not worked in other situations. Um, I won't say I won't go and say that he will be like the star receiver for the game, but he will have an incredible impact, whether it's a long return in this game, whether it's a rushing touchdown, whether it's a screen. Um, I think he will have an incredible impact on special teams as well as watch for the gadgets. Because he, he has a skill set that you can't you, – no matter defensively, he can make people miss. He can, he can, make, he can make people miss in a phone booth. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I think we'll see a couple of big splash plays from him for sure. And, and watch out for him for the, in the first 15 plays of the game. Oh, I like that. In Andy's famous script. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. You can't – like when you practice to face Kadarius Toney – Whoever you put that red jersey on, it's not like he's acting like Kadarius, right? Like he, he's just not going to move like him, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so it's going to be fun to see. All right, so what's the number one matchup you're watching in this game? You, Benny Fowler, you're going to watch the Super Bowl. There's a lot of keys to the game. Um, it could be an under-the-radar one, or it could just be one that you think is going to decide the game flat out. Like, what's, What are you going to be watching closest? I'm going to be watching the Eagles receivers versus the Kansas City Chiefs DBs because I think the Eagles receivers can can make some big plays. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm going to be watching uh, on the other side. I'm going to be watching the receivers from Kansas City. You know, I'm a receiver, so I'd like to see those matchups. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to be watching the receivers and DBs on both sides because I think that's what will determine a lot of what goes on, on the scoreboard, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I love it. I'm 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 seeing a Devontae Smith 60-yard <laughs> touchdown against man-to-man in my future, man. All right, so let's get you out of here on this. Put you on the spot prediction. Give me your your game pick, the final score, and your MVP. I before you give it, I'm going to go Eagles by a touchdown. Let's say 30 to 23. Jalen Hurts MVP. Who do you got? I got uh <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes is an MVP, and I got Kansas City winning 31-23. Oh! You know, I should I should say Hassan Reddick because my path to Eagles victory, I think, involves knocking Patrick Mahomes out of the game. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best way, right? But uh, all right, it'll be fun. It'll be fun to revisit this uh, in the weeks to come. Benny, you're the best. Um, I enjoy hearing 
even more about your personal experiences in this big game, honestly, than talking about the football here and now. You provide such a great perspective always on the season, on football, on the X's and O's, on life. And really just can't thank you enough for being such a big part of season one of Talking Ball here with me, Pat Leonard. Um, hopefully on to bigger and better things as we continue to grow. But it wouldn't have been possible, honestly, with all your contributions and giving of the time that you don't have. So um, thank you so much, man. I yeah, appreciate you having me, man. It's always good to talk to you. All right. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.